Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck, and I am your host, and your name is Listener, and that's what you do. You listen. On today's show, Kim Petras. Kim is a pop star. She's a brilliant songwriter, artist, and she's my friend. I like having famous friends. I enjoy it, especially people like Kim, who I knew before, like pre-fame, which in theory endears me more to her. And because I knew her before, listen, the reality is when people are famous and you meet them post-fame, like once they've, you know, like they've leveled up to the big boss mode, it's a very small chance that you will ever have any version of a relationship with them and you'll want to. And so will they, it just won't be possible because while you're going to your job at H and R block, they're in Barbados with Richard Branson going kite surfing. And that's just not for us CPAs who work at H and R block doing God's work. Um, I did a movie with Chris Hemsworth 10 years ago. Before he did Thor, we had a great time. He's a mensch, a beauty, a sweetheart of a guy. And I have no doubt that nothing has changed. But the reality is, we don't talk. (laughs) I mean, we talk. No, we don't. But we would, in theory, nothing's changed except he's gotten absurdly, ridiculously, over-the-top, unfairly famous. No, I'm kidding. If anyone deserves it, it's it's him. He's a beauty, but you know, he's busy being famous and I'm busy doing a very middling podcast that some, many, a few, more than a dozen people like. And for that, I can sleep easy at night. In fact, knowing that a good handful of salt of the earth people listen to this podcast, well, that's my emotional ambient. It puts me to sleep at night in a way that no pharmaceutical could, except Valium. Valium is an incredible drug. It works well, quick, it's clean, nice, limited hangover. But other than Valium, it's you guys. Um, But I, I met Kim when she first moved to the States and she was working with a good buddy of mine, CJ Abraham. And, you know, I talk about it on the pod, but you know, CJ was like, you got to check out Kim. Like she's pretty something special. And I had, I had met a couple artists that CJ had worked with and, uh, and I, you know, they failed to blow my mind. And then all of a sudden Kim played her music and I was like, Oh shit. Oh, Oh, you, you about to be famous, famous. You got, Oh, okay. You're gonna, I hope you remember me because you're not gonna, yeah, we're not going to be hanging out in, uh, CJ's, uh, garage studio much longer. Cause you're going to be You're going to be at uh, Chance the Rapper studio. And also, who are the famous people? And also, uh, you know, you're going to be performing live from Little Uzi Vert studio soon. So, you know, I don't know. Are those famous people? Anyway, she's going to be performing with the best of the best, and she already is. Uh, She was recently on Jimmy Kimmel Live. She is just crushing it. Um, And I can't wait to share this interview with her. You know... She's also um, an incredible advocate for the transgender community, and she has shared her story about sort of what her incredible life, what she's been through, and what it took to get her here to, uh, to this, this special moment. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Here's Kim Petras. So... 
Can I tell you, I probably would have never had the chance to tell you what my first impression or the first thing I remember okay. saying about you was when when we met. Yeah. Because you and I have a mutual friend. We do. Super Chris Abraham. Yes. Shout out Super Chris Abraham. God bless him. The I best. I know. The absolute best person there is. And you had sort of newly moved to LA. I think it was like mm -hmm. 2014, 2015. Yeah. And, you know, Super Chris is one of those spectacular people who like, he just loves finding new talent. Yeah. And he loves getting excited about that. And yeah. That's sort of a double-edged sword because there were many people that CJ had worked with where I was like, CJ, this ain't it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of we, course. You don't have the heart to say that. Yeah. But you're just, you're like, I'm not quite sure this is going to come together. And yeah. then I remember meeting you and you were so lovely. And then, oh, thank you. And then he played Back me some you. of your music. And I just remember thinking like, finally, CJ got a winner. Oh my God, yay! <laughs> oh. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. You know? I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I love the dude. I mean, he let me like live in his garage and shit like that. You know, like it's just like cool when like somebody uh, believes in you and is, and is excited about you. Like it was so awesome. And like that, like I didn't know much about like the whole like CJ universe and like you guys. And obviously like I, I watched like all the shows that he's been a part of uh, and loved them. But uh, I didn't quite know. And then like it kind of just like dunked me into like his crazy universe. And it's like really amazing. I hope one day there's like a documentary or something about, uh, you know, about him. Like oh, he's there so, will such be. a like He'll be a billionaire. Character. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll I probably cannot, be working for him. I mean, yes. yes. <laughs> Same. For I, sure. I just, but it it is such a fun, I, I wonder for you and you tell me like, I guess because you live it every day, mm -hmm. it's sort of like it doesn't feel as fast to what it seems for me to have watched your ascension, right? Like yesterday we were in his garage and you were just like this talented new performer. And now it feels like the world knows your greatness. Thanks. Does it feel that way? Does it feel fast or does it feel um, like, no, I've been waiting for this my whole life? It does. It does feel like both a, a lot of the time. Um, yeah. I feel like it's definitely been... Uh, like quite a long journey just for me emotionally you know like yeah. I've been working on this like since I was like 13 or something you know writing a song like every day like making that goal and like I, I feel like I got good like around 2014 like around that time when you met me like that's when I started like finding my own thing and finally like writing with people instead of just like in my bedroom and stuff like that and uh, yeah, but just the lead up time was so long. And then in the last like three years, kind of everything went down. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but I, but I do feel like I've kind of built it, like, built it like step by step. Like it wasn't like a, you know, I don't have like a number one hit or anything like that. Like I didn't like, you know, not know like overnight success. I kind of just built on top of each other and kind of took it step by step, you know, and like my t grew my tours and grew my fan base and, uh, I think just started like learning about like the industry and stuff like that. So it, so for me, it just feels like a step-by-step -step thing. Yeah. But it's cool that you feel that way. Like that's, that's really awesome. But, but yeah, I, I'm so happy with where I'm at and I'm, you know, every time I like, um, you know, when, when I used to be able to go on tour, every time I would look in the crowd, I, I would be like, holy shit, I can't believe this many people would come and see me or even know about me or anything like that, you know? So it does feel really cool in those moments. It's an interesting thing, right? Because 
talented people take that leap, which is really, I mean, you have to be like bordering on mentally ill to believe that like, no, 20,000 people will want to buy tickets to me. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's a wild risk. Yeah. And yet, and then, but there are plenty of people who think that, that are out of their mind wrong. Right. Yeah, of course. That'll never, that'll never get there. And then to have that validated and to be like, I was right. Like I knew it. That little voice told me to do this and I did it. That's gotta be an insane feeling. Yeah, totally. It's, it's just, I, 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 a lot of the times feel like I'm like one of those like crazy people and I'm like, fuck, like I still feel like I (laughs) am. Am I an imposter? I don't think anything's ever going to like fix that. Like I'm always going to like, there's always going to be a part of me that's just like, you know, that does not realize that. And that feels like somebody who believes in some ridiculous shit and is, you know, just, yeah, I don't know. Because like so much of this is like fighting for like your vision and like doing it exactly as you want. And then people immediately think you're nuts, you know, because it's like, no, this has to be this way. And I want to sing it this way. And no, this angle is wrong. Or no, this shit is, this lyric sucks. Or, you know, people, yeah, it's just like, it's still very much just, I'm always just trying to make another vision like exactly the way that I see it or exactly the way that I want it or exactly the way that I wanted to do it as a kid or just like some random thing. And like, I, I still feel crazy and I feel like that's a part of it. And that's just something that like, I think people uh, who are in, it, in, in any way talented or artistic or anything like that, they always feel like they're, you know, like, am I fucking nuts? And yeah, I don't think you stop, but... When maybe I'm not, maybe I am, but you're probably it's kind of cool not to know. I feel like you're teetering. Yeah, like yeah. I also feel like if you knew, you wouldn't be like a good artist, you know. So you kind of don't want to know if you're nuts. And you kind of don't want to fix everything about you. Or yeah, it's it's weird being an artist, but what's, it's amazing. What's the other side of that? So like, if that if if dipping your toe into the crazy aids you in your artistry. Is it also when you're not doing your art annoying or does it like get to you to have so much going on in your head? Um, sure. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like sometimes I stand in my own way, like, like everybody does. And, uh, I often feel like when it's just like, when I'm like asking everybody, like, is this too ridiculous? Like, is this concept like too crazy or like too... Uh, extreme or too basic or you know it can go anywhere I can feel like all these like spectrums of things about like what I make yeah and uh, I feel like most of the time it's just when I like blindly believe that it's somehow good even if some people are like like really you're gonna stack like a hundred fucking harmonies on this shit and like make it huge and uh, stuff like that you know it's, it's mostly when I think I you know I take risks like that that people really like it and that my fans really like it um so it's weird but yeah I stand in my own way sometimes I'm like no it's like to this and then I do like you know and then I make it more basic and then I hate it and then it's a spiral you know so yeah I've heard I've heard Kanye talk about like or there's this great Thelonious Monk quote of like the greatest artist is the one who is most like himself Mm -hmm. and and it sounds, and Kanye echoed that too, was like, I think my superpower is how much I, I'm not influenced. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I really don't care about other people's opinions. I'm yeah. very much self-driven with my vision. Do you, do you echo that? Yeah, it's, it's hard though. I feel like it's really 
hard not to listen to other people's opinions. I think especially in anybody's like beginning phase. And I think that can sometimes like drive you in like a wrong direction and something like you don't want to do. And some people who get like successful with something that somebody told them to do get really unhappy because they're like, oh, fuck, I listened to this person and it worked, but it was never what I wanted to do, you know, and then they try, then they try to change it or stuff like that or… Um, who, yeah, I definitely. Who are, who are people like that? Like boy bands, like manufactured I don't, I don't kind know, of. Probably. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, I can just like, just like I know from like you know great like songwriter friends who just listen too much to like their friends or listen too much to like, a, and other people's input and like it, I think the best advice is to like listen to yourself and have your own vision and like, just nobody can do it for you, you know if you really want to do something and prove something. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I think it's really, really hard in the beginning of a career to not go with what like somebody who's had a success or something tells you, you know, you're like, oh, you're probably right because like you've had a hit or, you know, just like right. stupid shit like that. And that's not, that's not true. Like it's never true. Like what's right is what you feel is right. And that's something that's like some confidence you got to like build. And uh, yeah, and that's super hard. And I think that takes like strength. And uh, that's why a lot of the artists I, I think I really uh, resonate with and I really like uh, are, are necessarily the most like mainstream successful ones, like because they don't necessarily care and they just make what they want to make. And that's up to other people to define if that's great. To some people, mm. if something's a mainstream success, that means it's great. That means it's great music and validated the other, by yeah, the yeah, masses totally and the other stuff is just like artsy music doesn't matter and to other people it's like if something's a mainstream success it automatically automatically sucks because like a large group of people loves it and you don't want to be a part of like a large group of people you want to be different you know yeah. so i feel like there's uh yeah there's different sides to shit and that's like defined by anybody themselves you know so is your music always an audience of for an audience of one first or are you ever trying to make something that you think the people will want in that moment um i i have done that i think i've done i've written songs that i was like Oh, like large, like the the general public will like this, how, how you, know? Does that go? <laughs> you know, or like uh, yeah, just like and that usually sucks, you right. know. Or I'm like, uh, or somebody's like, this is something that like straight girls will like, or you know, just like all these people have like these like definitions of what like a song has to be and uh, like whenever I try to do something or for even for like other artists or for myself that was like. You know, this is going to be like, I'm going to like, you know, just make something that I think everybody will like. It's been like the most vanilla shit ever and I hate it, you know, Ugh. like, and I look back at it and I'm like, why did I ever want to write anything like that? Um, so, yeah, I think that's like a bad idea in general to want to. So tempting. I'm totally. Yeah. Isn't it? No, for sure. It's super, super tempting. And there's some people who have it down. Like there's some people who have figured out what's going on right now and what people want to say right now and how people want to talk right now and what people want to say. I, I, I think there's definitely like a lot of writers who are super talented and great at that. It's just something that I, I don't like to think that way and that I don't think is like my strength. Yes. I think whenever I do that, I 
kind of suck and I kind of, you know, blend in with stuff because like that's the goal, you know, to like blend in and sound like other things that are out there, sound like things that you think other people might like, but you don't actually like. Um, so yeah, I've kind of gotten over that and I've kind of just, uh, yeah, I, I've learned a lot. I think what my fan base likes because I know them pretty well now. Like I've done like a ton of tours last year. Like I, th I did like six tours or something last year wow. alone. And like the year before, no, last year I started touring, like 2019 I started touring. And uh, yeah, I feel like I've learned just like a, a ton about my fans and they're like a very specific group of people. Um, who just really feel uh, really free and uh, at my concerts and go really wild. And I, I don't know any other fan base like it. And that makes me really, really proud because I think they're very unique. They're very like different, you know, that they remind me of me. Just a lot of super pop stands. Um, yeah. And I, I used to be like a Twitter stand and stuff like that and be really into that. And uh, I feel in a lot of ways like, like I used to be them. Um, so uh, yeah, now I sometimes write with like my, my fans in mind or just like having, you know, my fans write me like a lot of stuff. Like I text with my fans, they write me their stories and their life and what they're going through. And I think that can definitely like bleed into my music and what I want to write about. Just like with friends, you know, when you have a conversation with a friend and you're like, oh, that makes a great song or that makes a great concept or… You know, when somebody just talks about their raw emotions or what they're going through. So I, I think that influences my music. But at the base of it, I'm making music for myself and for… I'm, I'm making what I want to make and what I want to hear and what I think should be out there. And um, yeah, what I like and what makes me like dance or what makes me smile or makes me feel like I can relate to the song. Do you notice like with with something like Malibu or your songs, like the, the, you know, the super hits, um, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. you know, you hear about like, you hear Billy Joel talk about how he wrote uh, New York state of mind in like 15 minutes. He was driving mm -hmm. home on the Greyhound bus on the Hudson river line in New York. And he's like, wow. I'm on a Greyhound bus on the Hudson river line. I'm in a New York state of mind. I should write that. Yeah, <laughs> and then amazing. twenty minutes later, it's one of his greatest songs ever. <sighs> the dream is there like an is there a weird certain ease to when it's just right? Yeah, yeah for sure. It, like you can't reverse engineer it. It just it just lines up correctly when you're writing something like that. Yes, there is magical moments like that 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 just happen like that. But there's also just brain numbing, difficult problematic ass <laughs> crossword puzzle ass songs that just you know are gonna be great but you just can't quite do it that can take like days and days and are worth it like I've, really? I've definitely like stuck through some really difficult songs like I think my like biggest song is hard to break still and uh, that one took like a month or something to write like we were like daily focusing on every single word and such a simple lyric like it's embarrassing honestly how long it took us but it was just it needed to be like just right and like nothing was just like hitting right and we knew the potential of the song and like how good the melody was because the melody came like first before any words mm. and then we kind of went back in and crossword puzzled it and it paid off in that one um and other ones, like, you, you do it again and again and again. And you're like, fuck, it's just not as good. And, like, maybe there was even, like, a mistake. Like, sometimes there's, like, gr grammatical 
like or just like incorrect ways of saying stuff and they just sound so much better and you just can't like you can't you try and fix it again and again and it just doesn't sound as good like that's definitely happening all the time and uh it's a curse sometimes because like you don't want it to be the, like you know incorrect or it just like came out of you in a freestyle but it just sounds cooler than anything else you can do but you know um, that, that you're gonna get tweeted when that song comes out yeah. like um kim this <laughs> actually doesn't make sense yeah you're for like, sure but does it sound dope percent. as shit like you're yeah. killing me here i completely like i now try to not think about that even a little bit like I just whatever I think is like the coolest shit I can possibly make I make and I I try not to care and I think that's the ultimate goal of like being zen you know <laughs> like a zen goals is just like I make what I think is really dope and if people think any kind of thing about it it doesn't matter like I think this is the coolest shit and I fully believe in it and I uh, you know, and this is exactly what I wanted to hear. And yeah, like that's the goal. Just like having the confidence to like stand behind something. And, and I admire that about people too. You know, when, when people are like, um, there's the Ariana song that's like, um, what does she say in it? Like Max Martin wrote it and it's Break Free. And it's like, uh, who I really are. Now that I've become who I really are, like it sounds so much cooler, but it's so wrong. And they knew right. it, but they were like, "This sounds cooler, so we're gonna sing who I really are," and it just is better than who I really am. <laughs> and uh, I admire, like, I think that's like confidence, like confidence to be stupid in pop is so important. Like the confidence to just do things because they're catchy and they sound cool, and people might think there's the stupidest shit in the world. But to run with it, like, that's so brave and, like, amazing to me. So I love stuff like that. But you bring up a great point with Ariana, who, you know, we come from the same, you know, the Nickelodeon family. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I got to watch, similar to you in, in certain respects, but, like, Ariana truly at the beginning of her career. And that girl was confident. Even amazing. when she was 15. And, by the way, she deserved to be. Because, like, she would walk around her house when they would have parties at their house and you would hear like this incredible voice coming through the hallways. And she was just yeah. like, she was like, oh, I have this riff stuck in my head and I can't stop singing until it's out. Yeah. And I was like, cool, please don't That's stop. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> and, but there's a great old saying, which is like a comedian gets on stage and says, get ready because you're going to laugh. You'll probably laugh at what I'm saying, but even if you laugh at me, just laugh. And um, a rock star gets on stage and goes, stare at me because I'm about to fucking knock your socks off. Yeah. And it sounds like to what you're saying and, and same thing with Ariana, like it takes a certain level of confidence mm -hmm. to be able to walk out there and be, be like, I'm about to entertain you for 90 minutes. So strap up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think comedian being a comedian, some, some of the craziest shit ever, especially people who just come up with stuff like at the spot and like really go out there and do that. Like yeah. I watch a bunch of stuff about comedians and it's like, so such a, like if I didn't sing, if I had to talk, I would fucking die. Like I, I can't like talking is like one of my weak points in life. It's like when I feel really awkward, like I can like stage talk and be like, thank you and shit like that. But, yeah. You know what? It'll get a, yeah, but get I, a rise. I admire that so, so much. Uh, just like I, I, I really do. But, but yeah, there's something 
like I I don't feel like I'm in in life I'm a very confident person in general like yeah. I'm very like self doubting and stuff like that and uh yeah insecure and you know I, I yeah that just like me but when I go on stage like that's I it it's like a switch and I turn super super confident and same in the vocal booth like I, it's just like that's what singing has always been to me it's been like a escape and like a super character of myself or like a super version of myself that I can turn on and kind of disappear into and like it just I, I like stop thinking my brain stops stops overthinking everything and I just like turn like a switch and it's really really cool um and yeah so I think that's always been like my way to like escape life or insecurities <laughs> or feeling you know any kind of way it's always been just like building this uh yeah confident version of myself that I can be on a stage or when I'm performing or when I sing in any way how early can you track and maybe it was, you know, like when you were a kid growing up in, in Germany, like how early can you track the need to escape? Um, I think like super early, like five, like six. I, I felt always like just really into like I was always really into costumes. I was always really into makeup. I was always really into um like singers like musicals any kind of music I was obsessed with my mom was really into like Cher and like Liza Minnelli and like Come on. Frank Sinatra and just like <laughs> the like great like old uh hot not not calling anybody old but older just, yeah older just the like classics. The, the, the classics like the great people yes. I, I guess and um yeah that's just what I used to like watch all day as a kid and like uh escape into and uh you know I had like so little outfits that I thought were awesome and they sucked but I like ran around my garden with them and like you know I don't know, acted like I was on a stage. So it's just been always been like a, a thing for me um, that I've just loved really, really passionately um, since and I can like remember. Was it also escape? Like, was it sort of like for many of us growing up, was it kind of wonderfully mundane? Like here was this fabulous alternative to what was just kind of like a classic yeah. suburban life. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. like, I, I think my I think my mom always just like, was kind of that crazy person in my life who just always believed, uh, you know, that that you can be whatever you want to be and was always kind of a little greater than life. Like, my mom is just, like, always wears, like, makeup, always, like, puts on a look, like, always... Uh, she had, like, a dance studio. She would do, like, these annual, like, dance shows and stuff like that. And they would have, like, the costumes. Like, in our basement, it was, like, giant, like, skirts. And then it would, like, get lifted up and it would be, like... You know, the J-Lo thing that she did with like the mm. giant skirt and stuff like that. And we just had stuff like that, like in our basement or like dragon heads or like, you know, just things like that. So I just feel like that like fueled me as a kid to just like imagine stuff and to, uh, yeah, to just want to, you know, create an alternate uh, alternate reality. And uh, yeah, and I feel like that's that's just always been... My passion and yes, I've been like super bored of my like neighborhood and like neighborhood kids and stuff like that really early on. Like I never really uh, did any of that. Like I was like always either like singing in my house or 
dancing or doing some kind of thing that didn't really involve other kids. I was like really antisocial and really like just like everybody thought it was really weird. So uh, yeah, so I guess like from that as well, I just wanted to not deal with that and just make up something cooler than that. I wonder, was it also in in an effort to like, because here you are, you're you're young, you're growing up in in Germany, and and you're probably feeling all these things that are starting to spark up inside of you. And also, there's this other part where it's like, if I focus on this wonderful fantasy world, maybe I don't have to deal with this other stuff that's yeah. coming up for me. Was yeah, was that a sure. thing? Yeah, one million percent. I mean, I very early on also just like experienced like extreme like sadness and extreme like you know hating myself and self-deprecation and stuff like that and being transgender and not liking the body you're in and then realizing you're gonna go through puberty at some point or like Mm. feeling stuck in your body that was like a thing for me as long as I can remember like as long as I can remember I felt uh yeah, like when I like found out basically about like gender roles and like what gender means and stuff like that. And it's not reversible. Um, yeah, I just, I just like, I was, I was really suicidal at like 10. Like, so it was, yeah, it was kind of, kind of dark. And I was so lucky to have parents who were really supportive and who were like, at home, you can be whoever you want to be. But then like going to doctors and stuff like that, like the first thing, Obviously, I didn't go to like good doctors or anything. But first thing was like, yeah, your kid is crazy. And like shave your kid's hair off and try as a boy and like put on boy clothes. But like none of that changed anything. Mm. Like I did all of that stuff and it didn't change anything. And it was just like, yeah, it was for sure just like a grim little like reality that I was, you know, going to have to like go through stuff. And that I was very uncertain if I was going to get to transition um, and if I was going to have to go through, you know, uh, puberty. Because that's um, a pretty defining point, right? Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, yeah, it's just if you, you know, it's irreversible stuff. Like, and I was like, I always loved singing. So I was like, what if my voice drops? So every morning I like got up really scared of like my voice dropping. Wow. And uh, yeah, because like I, I love my voice you know and I, and I didn't want to have like a really deep voice and so that was like since I was like yeah since I was a kid every day I was really scared of that and every morning was like panic and being scared and like crying and all that dramatic stuff so yes I think definitely that all all the stuff uh, of like making an alternate reality and like finding reality boring also had to do with like reality being kind of shitty for me you know or feeling shitty even though it wasn't I know now there's a lot of worse cases and could have gone a lot of you know could have been a lot worse and I feel very lucky now now that I like look back at it but um yeah I definitely feel like that's that's a part of it when you say like you weren't sure whether you would be able to or allowed to transition Mm -hmm. was that just because obviously your parents were so supportive was it finding a doctor who would do it? Was it the legality in Germany? Like, what was that like? Yeah, it, it was uh, finding the, the doctor to, to do it. We would, like, drive all around Germany to, like, find any doctor at any knowledge. It was really, really hard. I mean, it was, like, 11 years ago or something. Like, I started hormone therapy at, like, 11 or 12. Uh, so that's a while ago. Yeah. Um, and, 
yeah, it was really hard. And we like eventually like found somebody in like Hamburg, you know, it was just like, and there's, you know, we, I was like an hour outside of Cologne, like really tiny, tiny village, like cows, like nothing. And I hated it so, so much. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we like drove all around for like, I think two years or something until we found somebody who was like, yeah, there's a thing called hormone therapy that we can actually do and uh, that we can do as early as now. And uh, yeah, and then I, I started hormone therapy at like 12, 12. Yeah. Uh, and that was such a relief in, in my life. And like everything changed and I like really like um, became a much happier person and a much more positive person. And I felt like that was when like my life started. And I started having friends and I started having, you know, I don't know, having people over and stuff like that before. That was always like something I would never do. And I didn't want people to really to get to know me because I felt like I was in the wrong gender and I didn't want anybody to know that person, yeah. you know. So I wanted to. So, yeah, once I got like the hormone therapy, I opened up as a person and I started making friends and just like normal things like that. My friend. Uh, Fallon, who I've had on the podcast, who mm-hmm. I knew when she was a man named Tony and mm-hmm. she transitioned and she talked about the moment that she first took estrogen mm-hmm. and the power of hormones. And when yeah. you're a woman and you finally get that that wave of female hormone, she was like, it was earth shattering. It just completely changed. Like I finally felt comfortable for the first time like it must have been insane to get that first hit of hormone yeah yeah it was just really I mean nothing changes like that that's the funny thing like it's just like it's a gradual thing you know it's um but just that you know you just took it is the amazing part of it I think like uh um and yeah it it changed for sure it like changed my whole life and I felt like I was on the right track and I wasn't uh anxious anymore as as much as I was before I feel like anxiety is something I like carry with me anywhere like I'm a very anxious person but um yeah that was just when I started like being a person so it was a very very powerful amazing moment for me was it was there ever a fear like it seems as though and it's crazy to say this even in this day and age that like someone like Frank Ocean or Lil Nas X like were revered for being so comfortable to come out at the beginning of their career. Mm-hmm. Because I guess, and I didn't observe this, but some people said it's just going to make it a much tougher road Yeah. because for whatever reasons, like was that, was there ever a thought of like, this might make me being a public person and a public performer harder or, or invite you know, just more challenge. Yeah. Not really for, for like me personally. I, I always felt like I just, I, I feel very proud of being trans and um, I never wanted to hide anything off that. And um, yeah, I just always kind of felt proud and confident about it. And whenever somebody would come up to me and talk to me about it, I would gladly talk, talk about it. And uh, I, yeah, I just don't feel any shame in being transgender. And my mom, like, really taught me that, I think, just to not be ashamed of it ever. But, yeah, people in general were like, are you sure you don't want to, like, hide it and, like, save right. it for, like, a magical, like, reveal, <laughs> you know? Just, like, or some, like, shit, you know? 
And I think just that's so stupid. You know, I, I, a lot of people it, like in music were like, let's calculate this out and let's make this like a stunt and make it a gimmick. And I hate that so much. Oh, and I, I hate it too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. So it was more like in music industry people, you know, and like… I, I got asked in like a really like really big like publishing companies meeting like so are you transgender because it's trendy right now and like no it was so offensive and it was this like super successful woman in music like and uh, yeah I just like busted that one out and it was so you know it was just like it was some crazy experiences just with uh, people in the music industry and their opinions on it and I, I never asked for anybody's opinion on it and like I mean CJ was there for all of it so CJ knows all about it um yeah but um yeah it was crazy because then all, all everybody would talk about was there's this trans girl who makes music and it's just like ugh, like right does so that annoying like don't you want to like I it was very hard to be taken as anything else but the trans girl that's kind of good you know like, Does that annoy that. you ever with like that maybe you feel as though that walks in the room before you? It did so hard. Yeah, it did in the beginning of my career so hard. I just wanted it to kind of uh, to downplay it. I turned down a bunch of interviews of like being about being transgender. And I was like, fuck that. I've talked about that because I used to do documentaries and stuff when I was like 13, 14 in Germany. Um, and it was like really just educational shit. I would just like <laughs> talk about the experience of being transgender. Young with my Kim Petrus of Cologne, Germany. I know, pop star and medical <laughs> sensation. Um, yeah, that's just awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sucked. Um, so when I kind of when I came here and I, I kind of had a clean slate, I, I just thought like, um, yeah, I, I thought of it as something that's that I don't want to do again and I thought of it as something that's going to be gimmicky and that people are going to like use or try to use and so I never really spoke about it and I worked with everybody and their mom and uh, nobody ever had a problem with it and some people found out later and like the music like music makers have been so amazing about it like I you know and, I, and I've done like a lot of hip-hop sessions where you should think like it would be scary or it would be weird to be transgender and none of that like they've always just been like that's super dope I love that let's make another song you know like I feel like with the creators it's been great but then once like press started being a thing it started becoming all about that and uh and I feel it felt really gimmicky about it and I didn't want like the trans community to think I'm like using it in any way or making it like uh, a gimmick or anything like I just wanted to be like uh, seen as any other artist you know and that also means like getting judged like against like hey how is this song like against like a Lady Gaga song or like a any woman song you know not Lady Gaga but you know what I mean? Sure, like any, yeah, just another like female pop Woman, star. like, I was just always category, like, queer LGBTQ artists and never mentioned in the same sentence as, you know, anybody who's not gay or who's not trans or who's not. So that was just something, like, I love the gay community. I love the LGBTQ community. I'm not ashamed of that. But I was just like, I want to be judged as, you know, as a musician and as a talented person and as a songwriter and... Uh, there's never anything about that in any of these articles. It's just always like, you know, it's just uh, just trans stuff. And so in the beginning, it really bugged me. And then I kind of realized the just 
significance I have to the trans community uh, now uh, and that that got me. And so that kind of just changed my whole view on it. And I think now I see it differently. I, I don't, I think it's really important for me to speak about it. I think um, it was kind of childish and just something that I, you know, had like bottled up for so long that I was just annoyed at anything that would mention me being trans. And I was just like, yo, I just want you to see how hard I worked on actually becoming a good songwriter. Like, because that's right. what I'm proud of in life. And uh, and people just want some clickbait, yeah. cookie. I mean, yeah. on such a shallow level. Like, they I, do. I lost 100 pounds and I was on television fat yeah. as fuck. And then I lost all this weight. And it was like, I, I can't tell you. And still, I'm sure till I'm, I don't know, in my fifties, I'm sure yeah. it'll be like somewhere in the article. Yeah. But for course. years it was like former fatty turned, oh uh, God, turned no. heartthrob. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck off. So dark. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Let me live. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. But I get it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, but now I, I kind of just look at it and I'm like, it's still so important to just get, um, the word transgender out there as a thing. Yeah. Uh, and it just kind of started in America with Caitlyn Jenner and all of that stuff and being on the cover of Vogue and, you know, and that was all like amazing, but it started so much earlier in reality. And like, there was like Marsha P. Johnson who like threw the first brick at Stonewall and like who we like owe pride to and like everything, you know, like the trans community goes back so, so far. And, um, yeah, and it's just kind of now getting like the visibility and I think that's just important to educate people about it. So like maybe someday it can be like in a, you know, a book in school that it's like, hey, transgender people exist, you know, just like a tiny chapter that's like this exists and has existed. Yeah. Be cool with it, you know. Yeah, recognize. Or it's like, yeah, so I'm like, so I feel like I'm a part of that and now I just like… um you know, I, I like to talk about it and I, and I think that's a part of change and changing the world um, is talking about it. And I think I'm being given a really great platform and I think I would waste it if I didn't talk about it. So uh, that's kind of how I felt about it and I've kind of turned my annoyance around and I still sometimes get really, really annoyed um, with the same exact questions. And uh, I, I, there's definitely now like boundaries to me, you know, just stuff that I don't cross anymore. Like in the beginning, it would be like literal like questions about like surgeries or hormone therapy or stuff like that. And I just feel like I'm not the person to do that. But like talking about being a trans woman in the music industry, I'll gladly do and I don't have a problem with it. And I don't want people to feel like scared to ask me anything about being transgender. You know, I want to be like, I still feel proud of it. But yes, I did. And sometimes still do feel really annoyed that people are like uh, kind of limiting me to just being transgender instead of listening to my music and uh, comparing it to whatever other artists or whatever other, you know, to... Uh, yeah, like pop music, you know? I, I think that's natural. And I, I remember hearing from friends like Fallon and other friends in, in the trans community who, with the Caitlyn Jenner of it all, were like, we're so grateful that it's such a public moment mm -hmm. and entering, you know, really expanding the conversation. Yeah. And they said, what we wish was an added layer to this was that Caitlyn has such a specific life and has 
so much privilege and the money and the ability in which to do this. Yes. And for so many of us, it's not the case. And Absolutely. it's so much harder. Absolutely. And I mean, I was um, born and raised in Germany where there's health insurance. Mm. So I had a much easier time. I, I wasn't rich. I wasn't poor. Um, I had my, my health insurance covered my transition, which is something incredible because my parents couldn't have afforded it. Yeah. And so I'm privileged in that way. And it's very crazy the way that it is for it, for trans people in general in, in America and how hard it is to get any kind of treatment, how expensive it is, uh, how much like violence there is. It's very, uh, sad and uh, things need to change. And like, all the time there's, you know, stuff like laws getting like reversed and people trying to take rights away and people trying to move things backwards. And it's just, it's sad. And that's why I feel like it's important I talk about it. Yeah. Even if I personally, sometimes I'm like, talk about my music. But I, that's why I feel like it's important for me to talk about it, bring visibility to it, and to be a proud member of it and to help bring awareness to it. Um, yeah. I think I heard on a uh, another interview you did was your first sort of introduction to loving pop music was a Max Martin documentary you were watching? Yes. So I got to ask this. I got to yes. Max Martin, genius songwriter, Swedish. Yes. It seems like a lot of these hit makers come from Sweden. Yeah. What's in the water in Sweden? Why are they so good at making hits? I don't know. What uh, is it? I don't know, but <laughs> there's just so many great melodies coming from over there and like great singers and great anything. But good pop and good electronic yeah, music. Yeah, like amazing. Um, I feel like it probably, just, just a guess. Like, yeah. I don't know. Germany yeah. is definitely not Sweden. Completely different vibe in germany there's like zed and that's like it and like rammstein who right. are like cool who are from germany <laughs> you know <laughs> in music um but uh i i guess somebody told me who i wrote used to write with a lot uh this guy uh jones wedderberg um he's really really good and yeah also CJ's had, like, buddy yeah, yeah. And he had, like great melodies um and all that stuff and just like had it and he was like it's because it's uh dark so much in the winter and people are just inside and like in their feelings and uh it's really really cold because you know it's like dark for a half of the year or something yeah, like and then 18 like 18 hours a day yeah like crazy um and he said it's just so depressing that people just um go inside and write songs and yeah but also i guess just the crazy like history and uh like royal bloodline of pop with like max martin and uh I think Dennis Pop and ABBA and uh, the I Saw the Sign, Ace of Base. And, Ace of Base Swedish? Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. Listen, the I mean, Max, I think Max wrote like, uh, Max and like this guy Dennis Pop like wrote most of this uh, Ace of Base stuff. What? So I, I think, or they took from it or something, but they all have something to do with each other and they're all kind of just like, Yeah. They all just kind of happened after each other. So I think it all goes back to ABBA. Yeah. And it all goes back to ABBA being so successful. And uh, I mean, they took part in the Eurovision Song Contest and won and then became this huge thing. And I mean, their music is still some of the most impressive, amazing pop music ever made to me. Like ABBA, like, it's, is insane. It's damn good. Yeah, they're, they're crazy. The, 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 the like, 
chords, the melodies, they're nuts. And I think so much of modern pop is based off of ABBA. And uh, yeah, I mean, if I was Swedish, I would study the shit out of ABBA <laughs> and, you know, learn anything I can about that and then uh, make it into my own and, you know, try to become a Max Martin. <laughs> so I'm just like fascinated with, with him because I feel like he just like studied pop really well and like but, but you've figured talked- out something cool. Like you're a real, you've really broken down pop. Like you're, Thanks. Uh, you, and you're like, you're proudly like, I like, like almost as if it was an equation, right? Cause pop of all music is slightly an equation. Yes. Maybe you'd agree. Yeah, totally. So here's, okay. So we're at the Kim Petras masterclass, you know, that the masterclass you yes. see on YouTube. So like you're teaching you know, without giving away all your secrets, but like you're teaching a small class of songwriters. What are your like one or two tenants when it comes to pop music where you're like, you got to get this right first. This is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I don't anymore think there's rules to making music. I think now for me, it's more interesting to break some rules than to mm. follow them. In the beginning, I was very obsessed. But you obsessed. gotta know them, right? Yeah, but you gotta know them. I think I think that's a valid thing that you gotta know the rules in order to break them. Yeah. Um, I think something a lot of people never think about is like the, um, you know, thinking about the different notes that you're on in the song and the different parts to set them apart. Like I always, I think to the T in every single song, uh, my pre is always lower than my chorus. So the chorus pops and like the first note, like never touch the first note of the chorus and always stay below that so that the chorus like jumps out at you. Interesting. Um, so yeah, so you don't spoil the chorus, you know, um, or be really high above it and then do like a lower thing uh, on the chorus. But I, I almost always follow that. And then something people don't really think about and. This is also largely Aaron. Aaron's walking around. Uh, we're in this house together with my friend Alex. We're just writing songs every day. So it's it's cool that she came over. Um, also, uh, like cadences. I, I like to make cadences different um, in every part of the song. And just think about like, okay, what cadence have you not explored? And like try not to be in ex- exactly the same pocket as the chorus in the pre or in the verse. And try other rhythms or longer notes or you know if you go really short in the chorus then you should have a part that probably has really long ones so they you, you set them apart mm. I think it's all about like setting things um apart uh just making them pop making every part pop and work with each other really well and that's something that I've definitely learned from Aaron and Luke and uh, Kojak and uh, even CJ and anybody I've worked with it's it's been so interesting because I used to just write songs without ever thinking about a melody and uh, you know just uh, kind of just wrote what I felt and that's like how I started and now a lot of songs I write just going in, having no single word and just laying out like the skeleton and then later adding in uh, words. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's something that I always just like to think about. Like, do I want to break that rule? Is it worth breaking that rule? Or does this chorus like deserve to really like go the fuck off and like, you know, come yeah. in really hard? And the, the best way you can do that is just to contrast it with going lower in, in, in the verse if you're going to go high in the chorus so I think that is like a formula rule that I just 
I think about breaking it. You know, I, I, I break it, but I, I think about it and I'm like, how do I make up for that? And how do I make it pop in a different way? Because I think a lyric can make something really stand out and I think a different tone and I think a different, like belting something versus like whispering something and all of that stuff. You know, I think you can contrast it like that. But I, yeah, I, I love to just think about how I can make it a really interesting, entertaining journey. Kind of like... It's texture, right? Because you'll yeah. hear, like, you'll hear someone with a really nice voice who can hit all the notes. Yes. But there's just nothing special about it. Yeah, and it's just not entertaining. And it's just like, and uh, you can't say it's bad. You're no, like, not at all. You you hit the note. You're not flat. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's weird. There's like, I mean, there's technically so many singers who are so much better than me, but I feel like I make up for it and just. Um, not being different and being proud of being different like standing out I think that's something that I always make up for with and uh yeah I, I mean I'm learning the technical stuff about my voice now because I'm touring and I have to do it every single day now you stop smoking yeah I stopped smoking oh <laughs> really? my god I used to like smoke like a chimney I mean like, I used to be so it wasn't German there you used to yeah. you used to crush a pack of smokes and then walk into the yeah. booth at CJ's house and, yes and sing your ass off yeah but no, totally. But I definitely like damaged my voice. Yeah, and you can't that. sustain that. Yeah, you cannot. You you absolutely cannot. So yes, I I quit smoking. I still like German asked me like sometimes it's still like I really like whenever I'm drunk I really like want to smoke a cigarette. I just I love it. I've always loved it. That's just everyone, Kim. Yeah, but <laughs> it's it's uh but yeah, it's been this last year of touring. I am mad at myself if I don't hit a note. I'm mad at myself if I did something the night before that I was not in the condition to be at 100% at a show. Like I get so pissed at myself and no one else does. Like everybody's like, great show and no one notices, but like I get pissed at myself. So I had to, you know, take any, uh, you know, precaution and learn how to take care of myself and stuff like that so I can be on 100% every single night and uh, that's just something I'd rather cancel a show than not like I'm and I know that's not cool and I've definitely like, I've performed sick all that stuff like I don't do it unless like unless I'm really really sick I don't cancel a show but you know I there's a part of me that feels like I'd rather not do a show and then halfway be less than the best I can be. Yeah. I remember seeing like a documentary on Celine Dion. Oh shit. Queen. Dude, she was in, she was literally in the bathroom because it had better acoustics of like some insane arena. Yeah. Warming up for 45 minutes. And yeah. I was like, this is why you're the greatest. Yeah. Like it, just how much she takes care. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, I've been listening. Uh, I'm such a fan of the NPR tiny desk concerts. Mm-hmm. And you know what I find? That for many of the artists who I fall in love with and their songs, when I hear it on Tiny Desk, because it's a stripped down acoustic version, yeah, is that I'll fall in love with it and I'll be like, I got to get the real version on iTunes and I'll listen to the produced version and not not like it, Kim. Yeah, but like it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Wow. Like, and I'll be like, you screwed up this gorgeous, like, Oh yeah, melody and and obviously the singer can sing it. They're singing it without any help yeah. here, but like they jazz, they put too much razzle dazzle mm -hmm, on it. Does mm -hmm. that does that happen? One million percent, really easily. Yeah, uh, that's one of the. I think 
as important as what you do is what you don't do. And uh, that's something that a lot of people don't even consider. You know, it's just like, oh, but but it's a crazy run, but it's a crazy note, but I'm hitting this insane note that's really hard to hit. Or like, it doesn't matter if it's too much, it's, it's too much. And uh, like for me, a lot of the times, like other people have to do this to me all the time because yeah. I'm like, no, I want to show I can do this run. And I'm really proud of that. I came up with it and shit like that. But I do realize like, it's too much. The melody is too busy. There's too much going on already. And yeah, I think uh, I think like just accepting when something is good and knowing when something is good and you don't have to add anything is a very particular gift and a very rare, rare gift. And a lot of people who know how to, who have it are really successful and have a huge value um, because they know the difference between this is cheesy and this is cool and clean and crisp. And yeah. uh, I think somebody in my life who really knows Aaron, uh, like he's like so good at that, um, that I I feel like it's, yeah. I mean, I'm also like kind of a songwriting team at this point with Aaron, which is really, really cool because like we're very contrast to each other. I love doing a million harmonies and I love doing a million uh, embellishments and stuff like that. And he's kind of more a simpler person. And I think together we've just kind of like found this middle ground that feels really good. So yeah, yeah I definitely, I definitely think what you don't do is as important as what you do. And uh, to always think about that is like, it's, it's always on my mind, you know, it's always on my mind. Like if something feels great, like let it breathe. Like don't try to make, don't add an extra harmony to it. It's not, you know, worth it. It doesn't hit as hard. Sometimes, sometimes what hits hardest is just a single amazing vocal take that you really felt and nothing else. You know, sometimes that is so much more impressive and brave and uh, to take that chance than to go and over, you know, over perfect it to leave something in that like has a rasp in it or has like a little crack in it or a break or just something that you felt can sometimes be way better than to go back in and, you know, engineer the shit out of it. Yeah. I, it's funny. I, I get that from my wife who, you know, thank God she'll watch something I'm working on and she'll be like, mm. take the sauce out of it. You yeah. know, like you're getting a little too greased up with this one, but it's great because like I trust her taste. Yeah. And I feel like she likes good shit. And so yeah. if she can slightly dial me up or down. Yeah. It's so helpful because I really, I I know I can get in the ballpark of good, but yeah. I really need help from my friends to yeah, really get Yeah, me too. I great. mean, I'm nothing without them. I, I feel it's one of the most fun parts for me as well to fight with my friends about, about like what I should do in a song. And most of my friends are songwriters just because I started that way and because I relate and because I know the struggle of being a songwriter and because I just feel like I, you know, belong in that world. So for for me, it's just like a huge part of my relationships and my friendships is music. Um, but I, I also feel like it's made me so much better to have people whose taste I really trust and who I, uh, yeah, who have different opinions than mine and who like make me second guess things and make me, you know, do it again and make me try again. And it's it's hard to make yourself do that a lot of the times, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, the final question, the thing that I ask everyone on the podcast. Uh Um, What are your one or two Kim Petras commandments, truths that you have discovered that you would want to impress upon someone else? 
Oh my God. Take your time. Yeah. <laughs> Just so very, I'll buy you time. Very, Listeners, uh, Kim's wearing an incredible Star Wars hat. That's right. Uh, it's a fun streetwear collab uh, with a brand I've never heard of because I'm probably not cool enough to wear it. But <laughs> that's not right. That's not true. Um, Thank you. And you're a part of Star Wars. So true. That's why I put this on. I appreciate it. <laughs> I love that you're a fan of my work. Yeah. Love your work <laughs> in Star Wars. My Thank favorite. Uh, yesterday, I taped Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, and uh, it was my first like live performance on there. And I was really working up to it for, for a long time. And then when I got there, um, it was a lot of like, are, are you sure you really want to perform this? Or you just want to like record a track and then lip sync to it? And it's just like, that's just like the opposite of what I'd ever want to do. You know, mm. just like the creative team like went wild and was like, no, we want to do all this stuff. And I was like, no, I'm doing a performance. Like I'm really singing. I always really sing uh, and stuff like that. And people kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And they were like, oh, but why would you want that when I could be perfect? And I, and I think it's just like, to, to trust in yourself and stand up for yourself when stuff like that happens and trust in your vision and trust what you believe in is the key to my success. And the key to my success is not a, per, a different person. It's, uh, you know, obviously I get help that I'm so appreciative for and I couldn't do it by myself, but it's in the stuff that I have the visions for that I need to be brave enough to believe in and to be crazy enough to believe in um, to do and to not be uh you know um happy with it until it's the way you like it and i think that's the key to any kind of like success you just need to find out what you really want to do and stick to it and when people um you know think you're crazy for it like you need to stand up for yourself so i think that's something that i've like learned uh in general it's just um standing up for myself in in in, in, in like situations like that um and yeah, and then in the end, everybody was like, wow, that was fucking amazing. You killed it. You know, everybody was so happy that it was a real performance. And that's something that, you know, you can you can watch and it's real. There's something real in it. So, so yeah, sometimes people are just confused and you need to, to show them how to show do it. Show them the way. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love it. Yeah. Um, so, I, I guess that was something that happened yesterday. It was on my mind. Um, and other than that, like, you know what? Just do your thing, bitch. Just rock it. Rocket, <laughs> rocket, bitch! Shout out That's Super right. Chris for bringing bringing. He's basically brought the whole world together. Let's be honest. Yeah, he did. He's a connector. I know he's and he's such a sweetie and a crackhead, and I love him very dearly. I love him, and I yeah. <laughs> Shout out, fucking Super Chris. We love you. That was it. That was Kim Petrus. Wasn't that good? It was so good, right? So good. Uh, if you like the pod, feel free to throw us a review and give the pod five stars. It means a lot and it helps the pod to grow. And if you don't want to do it, I don't blame you. I don't do it much. But be better than me. Be better than your Uncle Josh, okay? I believe in you. It's possible. It is possible. Not easy, but possible. All right, guys. Love you. See you next week. Bye.